Welcome to Carney Pie. That was a long pause, and now I'm John Brandt. I'm still here. Who else is here? Oh, I'm here. It's Brett. Oh, Brett, yes. I'm so glad you came back. I did. I came back. What a long break it's been since the last one we just did <laughs> 20 minutes ago. Oh, man. But time doesn't exist, right? I, I realized I did my introduction all wrong. You have this t- have the time to the music. Is that okay. what I do? Yeah, you do. Okay. It's like I'm, I'm a classically trained operatic person or something. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Classically trained podcaster. No. Yes. <laughs> yes, back in my days when I talked to the radio and recorded on a cassette because <laughs> I had no friends. I did that. Oh, we all did that. Totally did You that. recorded things off the radio? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I found a t- cassette the other day that was all the songs. Let's go around before we know everybody. Okay. Let's say you have to call into a radio show and you have to request a song and you are seven years old. Oh. I know. I'm going to give you a little time to think about it. Um, uh, but I have one that I actually did request that was actually played on the radio. Mm. And it was... Uh, Bad, 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 bad boys. You make me oh. feel. So, I don't even know who did. And, and it was it was covered. It wasn't. You all are thinking it's Sean Diddy Combs or uh-huh. whoever. No. That, no, no. The original one from the '80s yeah. is the one that I liked because I was eight years it's old. At the and end it was of fun. Three Men and a Baby. It is a hundred percent at the end of Three Men and a Baby, wow. and that was the that was the song that I chose. So, what do you have, Denise? The Bengals. We don't know I'm you gonna yet. I'm going to show my age. I'm going to say anything by Sean Cassidy. Sean Cassidy. Which yeah. Cassidy was he? She. One of them. <laughs> she? She? He. Sean? He. Sean's yeah. a he. he. He was like a dreamboat, right? Yeah. The yeah. People had posters of Sean. Yes, yes. Wow. What was he in? <laughs> he was he an actor? He was yeah, a singer? Yeah, he was. Yeah. But he sang. Yeah, what what song was it? That See, you that's would... why I can't remember any of the songs. I can't remember any of the songs. But I'm, you said my seven-year-old self, so that's yeah, all I, I remember listening okay. to. Oh, okay. Sean Cassidy, yeah. please. Yeah. Okay. Seven-year-old. Probably, I'm going to dance with somebody. It's a great Whitney song. Houston. Great song. Classic. That was my go-to. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sound like Wine Moms because it was totally the Bengals, like Eternal Flame. Oh, yeah. That's that's good so stuff. good stuff. Yeah. You can sound like Wine Mom, and that's fine. It just really <laughs> dates me. <laughs> it's okay. It was our anthem. <laughs> Listen, embrace the history. Embrace that we're here. Time doesn't exist, so we're going to have some fun here today. We're going to learn about wonderful things about Carney. And uh, we're going to start with whoever is to my left. And to my left is, that's where you say your name. Oh. <laughs> here, I thought you were going to introduce me. No. <laughs> you introduce yourself here, and then we go around the left. Fantastic. Well, thanks for that intro. My name is Denise Zwiener. Hey, there you go. And and who is to your left? To Brett's right. Brett, who's to your right? You want me to introduce her now? Oh, I, don't I know. thought we were introducing you. <laughs> yeah, this is really Jasmine. confusing. Hi, I'm Jasmine McGinnis. <laughs> Hi, Jasmine. <laughs> And who is to your left? Brett. <laughs> Love it. And we've learned so much about each other already. <laughs> we we have. learned music. And then mm-hmm. I have another question for you guys. Do you guys love Carney? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That was a quick yes and then an oh, absolutely. I got them both. Yep. That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to start here. We learned about uh, music uh, preferences and Sean Cassidy. Was it Sean Cassidy? Sean Cassidy. Sean. And it's spelled not with an H, right? That would be two nineties. It was oh, with yeah, it was S H A W N. Oh, that's very yeah. dated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm Googling. Yeah. Sean you Google Cassidy. Sean Cassidy. Give me, give me I bet what he's, he's on Spotify. Okay. It is. Of course, everybody is getting pennies on the dollar. So, uh, Denise. Sean S H A U N. U N. Oh, okay. U-N-O. Sorry. There you go. 
And that's all we get? Yep. I'll get more. More's all coming. Right. All right. All right. Stay tuned for, for that. Oh, this is the big fun thing we're going to do. And, and it might not be fun to anybody else except us. But what I'd like you to do now, if you could please, um, we're going to pray, play a little improv game. So what I would like Denise to do is to text me a word. I do not know the word yet, but she's going to text me the word. And then at some point during our talk, I'm going to try and use that word. And then, Brett, it'll be your job. To figure out what word. What the word was. What's that weird word that he put in there that uh, doesn't belong? And okay. it's not it's not iMessage, which is what it shows on my lock screen. So it's not iMessage. <laughs> That's not the word. But all right. So Sean here, Cassidy was on General Hospital. Okay, oh, so every yes. five minutes we'll have a Sean Cassidy fact. <laughs> I'll say, I okay, Sean Cassidy fact. <laughs> and then I'll point to you and you'll give me one of them Sean okay. Cassidy facts. I got you. All right, so Sean Cassidy fact from General Hospital. But uh, Denise Weiner, you're, uh, I think you're part of an organization, uh, and full disclosure, I'm on the board, Buffalo County Community Partners, um, a lot of words. Uh, what is Buffalo County Community Partners to uh, somebody who doesn't know what they are? We make this community better. <gasps> How do you do that? That's a great question. Uh, you know, we work at finding out what some of the issues are in the community and talk about those issues and how can we kind of work together to solve issues. So the issues are kind of uh, out there, you know, uh, it's very fungible what the issues are, right? It Absolutely. Does, it isn't they, one issue. No. It isn't, you know, cats or something else. It's it, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you're able to focus on any issue, right? Correct. We can, yeah, we can adapt to whatever the issue is. And if it's an urgent issue, we can adapt to that. When we first started, we talked a lot about teen alcohol abuse. So that was some of the things that we talked about, like we probably should help teens say no to drugs. Do you remember that slogan? Mm -hmm. Just yes. say no to drugs. Yeah, I was I was one of the kids that I was aimed yeah. at. Yeah, did it work? I'm currently not on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Proud to say that. Uh, and so, Denise, before we get into that, thank you very much for telling me about Buffalo County Community Partners and how it solves issues, and we'll get more into that in depth. But where were you born? I was actually born just across the street here at Good Samaritan Hospital. Okay. That's a very specific oh, answer. very specific. <laughs> Wasn't that? I, I went a little more general. Okay. So you were born in Kearney, I assume, right? Kearney. Okay. And um, were you raised here as well? Actually, I was raised in Pleasanton. Pleasanton. Not too far away. And you went to elementary school in Pleasanton? Yes. Okay. And then uh, you currently live in Pleasanton? I do, in a farm outside of Pleasanton. Well, I, I don't want to—I don't want anybody to swat your house, but uh, you, it's specifically. Do you like the area? I love the area. Is it pleasant? It is pleasant. And uh, what do you enjoy about this area and Carney and and everything that it has to offer? You know, when you're born here and you still live here at the age that I am, uh, you know, I'm young. You're right. <laughs> I just love the people. I love that there's so much that we can do in this area. I always say that I'm a, a river kid because I love to just play in the river through the summers. I like to be able to drive where I want to go, have the independence that I want to have. I don't want to rely on a subway system or a bus system. I just like that independence of doing the things that I want to do and raising my family and children in a very safe environment that gets a lot of opportunities for kids. So did uh, you graduate Pleasanton High School? Yes. Okay. And then did you go to school? Yes, I went to Kearney State College. So that odds a connection, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And what did you major in at Kearney State College? Business administration with a little emphasis in marketing. Wonderful. Yeah. And um, so then what job did you have out of college? I went straight to work for the Kearney Area Chamber of Commerce. 
Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, name drop. Who was the executive director? If you remember it. Well, you know, Bruce Blankenship was the the executive director at the time. He was there for just a few months and decided to leave. And then Roger Jasnock stepped into that. Wonderful. Role. Yes. So I had both of them within my first few months there. And at some point, you became. Uh, you worked there for a while. I assume you mm-hmm. did marketing. And yep. Okay. And then you moved on and did Buffalo County Community Partners? Does it exist? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. We were just kind of talking about what is the business role um, to the health of the people in the community? Because, you know, these are the 90s, right? Right. Health was hospital clinics. We didn't really talk about health in a general term of how could we all be healthier at that point. Uh, so it was kind of a foreign conversation mm-hmm. to have in a business setting of outside of Because let's set insurance. the tone here a little bit, right? Because like, um, there were ashtrays at the mall. Right. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. there were there was... Uh, Smoking and drinking and driving and people were against drinking, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, driving laws to a right. certain extent. There was a huge against that in the 90s, I recall. The seatbelts. People didn't want to wear seatbelts. Seat Man, can you car believe there was a time seats. when we didn't have to wear seatbelts? <laughs> no. Or have no, car seats? Or, yeah. Or you didn't have your kids. Seats. Yeah. Free range is... kids in your, in your wagon running yeah, around exactly. everywhere. This okay. is what we're talking about. And then, about. you know, some, some brainiacs showed up and said, hey, maybe we should Not strap them in. And because yeah. if you do this, it'll help them if we get in a wreck. And <laughs> people were like, no, how dare you? Or do you remember coming home from the bar in college? And I'd be like, go burn my clothes afterwards. Oh, yeah. Because yes. you yes. just, yeah. I mean. There's no getting that mm-hmm. out. You can't get that no. smoke smell out. No. no. Right. no. So yeah. and yeah. It, what I'm trying to say is that the 90s were a completely yeah. unhealthy decade. <laughs> <laughs> So in the 90s, uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't a focus on health. And then you started having people in the business community saying, hey, we need, we're spending a lot on you know, health insurance and things like that, I assume. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how do we make the community healthier? Absolutely. Those were the conversations. And then what happened? And then um, a gentleman by the name of Bob Rosenloff walked into the chamber and he says, I really think you would be a great representative on this group that's talking about how healthy are we in this community. We want to do a survey to find out how healthy we are and celebrate how well, Car- you know, we do this in Kearney, right? We celebrate what great things we have and then we say, how can we do it better? And that was his his pitch to me. And he asked if the chamber would allow me the opportunity to do marketing for this new group that was forming called Buffalo County Community Health Partners, which was even longer than well it's just yeah, a lot of words it's a lot of words and you were health partners at that point yes what year is this uh, 90 mid 90s mid 90s 93 94 and this is the group just saying hey let's have a conversation about making this better absolutely and um at what point did you step away and and from the chamber and start, or were you kind of both for a while? I was both for a while. So I um, just supported their work in just putting together communications. I would send out press releases, uh, help them create a logo, just anything that really helped them promote the work that they were doing as a group. And then they officially became a board in 96. Okay. And what was uh, the impetus for them becoming a board in 96? They actually got big. Yeah, they got big. Um, they decided that they wanted to keep doing assessments in the community to keep coming back to see. Now, what do you mean by assessments? Oh, that's a really good question. Because you. you know I use what these is big art? words. You can right. push at me, right? <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to keep asking people if we were getting better, if we were getting healthier, right? So yeah. we want to go back out and ask the community questions. And healthier doesn't just mean living longer. Right. He- healthier means being happier. Yep. And, um, you know, being more able to work uh, in a community, being more active, those kinds of things, yes, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So uh, you're able to measure 
through surveys and other things, whether how healthy the community is. Right. Okay. And so you started doing that in 96 ish. Yes. Okay. And then what happened? And then we decided that maybe we could work on some things together. We didn't have um, public transportation. We thought, hmm, this would be really interesting if we could create mm-hmm. something called Wait, ha- Ride. There was no Ride before that? We created Ride. You created Ride? Yes. Oh, that's I didn't super know that. Cool. Yeah. That's like such a need in yeah. this community. That's so like, many people use it. Yeah. Like it's, so you think about an issue. Crazy. Transportation. Yeah. yeah. We don't have public transportation in the 90s. It like, how could we do this? Yeah. yeah, how could we do this? So business leaders come together and said, we'll donate one of our vans from this clinic. We'll donate from the nursing home. We'll donate from the hospital. And we combi- combined a group of vans. And then we said, who could potentially manage in one central location the movement of all these vans? And that's when Community Action Partnership said, we'll step up to the plate. We'll be the central coordination of all these free vehicles. And they're not necessarily free because mm-hmm. people are, uh, businesses are donating these vehicles. And that was the start of RIDE. Wow. So the community got together to solve a health problem. Uh, I mean, it's not just a health problem, but it is. People need to get to their doctor. People need to go to their appointments. And they might not have the ability to be mobile and, and get to these places. So RIDE helps them do that in a very cost-effective way. Absolutely. And that was started in the late 90s? Yes, I do believe so. I'm, I'm thinking for sure by 99 to 2000, we were actually operating. Uh, we did quite a bit of research. It's the first rural public transportation service in the state of Nebraska. Really? We studi- studied um, programs in Wyoming. And then um, actually we had some grant funds that we would give out to people in the community just to learn more about what we could be doing that was healthier. So we sent people to Wyoming to study study the model and they came back and built it. See, I think this is the hard part of community partners, right? So we have this problem, we solve the problem, someone else is managing the problem. You were obviously integral in getting it put together and and getting it started, but there's like a disconnect because you you can't point to that and say, we do that now because you just incubated it and then it went off and flew away. So your job and your, the, the organization's role would be to what the organization's role would be to do that over and over again repl- yeah. replicate that right because we don't if we were the organization that ran ride today mm. we wouldn't be able to do the next really fun thing in the community to create even a better health for those in, in the community so if you take a look at um, alzheimer's units in the community and nursing homes and, and assisted living that was also we had very few assisted living units at that time so we really promoted encouraging um, the development of assisted living, uh, the healthcare clinic, the free health clinic that's in the community. I mean, there's things that we can point to to say that we brought people together around those conversations. They exist today because we had really robust conversations about how how everybody in the community can have some ownership to that Mm -hmm. and some buy-in to that so it sustains itself over time. And show how it makes an impact. Correct. When it's done and done right. Right. When you have real measurable results to look at, which must be satisfying. You used a keyword there, uh, which is measurable, right? Um, so they have uh, they they want to measure uh, how things go, and and something that struck me kind of at a, something that I can wrap my head around. It's like a nursery, right? For not for children, but for plants or things like that, or vegetables. Like you create this environment where you're able to keep things kind of uh, you know uniform. On things and you take these ideas and you're able to nurture them and let them grow and then someone else takes them and runs with them 
Yes. Yeah. Someone else takes them, plants them, keeps them. But you are a, a important part because you bring the tomato plants to the community. We're incubating those ideas. You're right? incubating those yes. ideas and then letting them go somewhere else. So that's that's the nursery part. And so uh, was uh, this was late '90s, early 2000s, and then were you the executive director at that time? Yeah, in um, 99, they decided to hire the first executive director. And at that time, there was board members, of course, fill in those roles. For those of you who are on boards, you know what that that Mm -hmm. looks like until you can get to that point where you can have full-time staff. So they hired me as their first full-time executive director in 1999. And you did everything at that time, I assume. We had a a point, 1.5 people, right? So there was a part-time person that was also assisting in the office, but yes. And so it's grown since then. Yes, we have 12 people today. 12 people. and 12 um, that are paid? Yes. Wow. Yeah, we pay our staff. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm like, when you say nonprofit, like, uh, two of those people are paid and the rest of them just... And That's amazing. You uh, Now we're, we're grown. So what are the current issues that are facing Buffalo County Community Partners? Uh, is there anything that, uh, you know, not necessarily um, that you're working on, but just as an organization, what are some of the issues that you're facing at this point? The issues that organization is facing? Well, let me let me back up. Okay, so you say you can handle things and you can handle issues whenever you see them. Obviously, March 2020, uh, there became an issue, right? And, and a health issue at, at that, which would be COVID. And so you were able to adapt what you were doing to funnel things and funnel resources to better the community during that time. Yes, we did. How did you do that? How did we do that? We had relationships built, right? So when people are like, how do we start getting food boxes out to everyone who needs food right now? Because people are hungry or people have lost their jobs. People are concerned about their mental health. Uh, We had um, people in the mental health field coming to us and saying, we need help because we're overwhelmed with the amount of people that we're trying to help. So what we were able to do is just start convening those conversations that we're so good at, only we did them over Zoom. And we held over 500 Zoom calls through the first year of 2020 just to talk about how we can do this work remotely, support people in the community that wouldn't have been able to get that support. Sorry, you saying 500 Zoom calls gives me some kind of flashback. This day. It's <laughs> no. just like, oh. Brings us all back to a dark time. <laughs> 500 Zoom calls. Let's, <laughs> let's Zoom for Friday happy hour. Why not? Oh, that was a bad time. Anyway, um, so that was uh, 500 Zoom, and you were able to pivot to fix the issue in the community, right? Right. So the current issues that you're facing as an organization as being able to pivot to help something like uh, a COVID or something like that, what issues are you facing now uh, as an organization that you think need addressed? You know, mental health still is probably that number one issue that I think if you were to sit down and have a glass of wine with a friend or people in your your network, I do believe that would bubble up. I also think just the workforce. I mean, everybody's talking about how it's so hard to find the people to do the work that's needed to be done in the community. And then the shortage of childcare openings for people to be able to place children in quality childcare mm-hmm. settings so that they can work are some of the major pieces that we're working on right now. There's also been, and we talk about this a lot, right, in the community, there's definitely a divide of those who have and those who have not. And then how do we keep bridging some of those gaps so those that the people that have can help those that have not? And so that's a lot of the conversations we're, we're having today. Um, can I just, like, child care? Yeah. Holy cow. I just think of how that's connected to so many pieces for people. When you can't take your kids someplace, I never made the connection until my sister's a night nurse. 
She goes for people who are single parents, but they could get a job in the ER and work nights. There's no one to watch their kids. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. light bulb moment for me because I'm very privileged and I have a job where I can, but even just on the regular person to find a child care is a challenge. So yeah. I can't even imagine that's huge. Well, and if you talk about the data, I'm just going to do a little data nerd. That's right? fine. Um, yeah. So as someone who works in our community, let's say a single mom needs to work three jobs just to afford a housing mm-hmm. in our community. When you think about somebody needing to work uh, three jobs with children, what type of quality time do they have with their children? And then what is that type of child care that they need to be able to work three jobs? It's a very challenging, complex social issues that we have today that we're we're working on. And you're not just you know looking at it and then throwing money at it and say, oh well, the obvious solution is a 24-hour daycare. Let's start one and go away. Mm-hmm. No, you're you're measuring and getting to the root cause of what that might be. Is that right? That's right. Okay, so uh, we're looking. We got childcare, workforce, mental health um, disparity in incomes. What are some kind of things that? Um, and your, your organization is working on that. Obviously, you need funding and, and other things in order to get that done. Where does your funding come from? Is it all grants? Are you, are you fine? Or, or what, what, how does that work? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. That's a beautiful question. Thank you. An artistically beautiful <laughs> question. If you could paint it in a picture. If you could paint it in a picture, I don't know whether... Would it, it be art? How would you amalgamate all those together? I, I don't really know <laughs> oh. how that would work, but maybe there's some red herrings. Who knows? But anyway, go right ahead. So to keep with the art analogy, um, yeah, so what, you know, when you have com- conversations in the community like we do, you're bringing people together that are making connections and you're looking for those dollars that help support this work. And so a lot of the funding we have is woven together. State, federal, and local funders really like to see when people in the community work together to raise dollars. So I think out of a, the million-dollar budget we have, 75% of that comes in from these federal, state, and local uh, f- funders. And we can do that because we have a strong foundation of donors here in the Kearney community. And you know, you asked me why we why we like Kearney. It's a yeah. very ph- philanthropic community. People give here because they believe in the people in the community and they want to see people do better. So there aren't very many Grinches around here who are saying we don't want to, that to happen. Not in the work that we're doing, no. Grinch okay. would not be a word I would use. Okay, and so the, what? Where? how can people give who aren't Grinches, how can they donate? Oh, they could donate any day. Well, actually, Give Where You Live is coming right up. Hey, maybe it's tomorrow. Who knows? Uh, what, what would you do for Give Where You Live? Did we check whether it was .net or not? No, nope, it is .net. I, it's I, not it is okay. .net. <laughs> Good. Okay. So if is we, this a Sean Cassidy moment? I'm I mean, sorry. No. <laughs> I mean, I've been completely neglecting my I'm Sean kidding. Cassidy moments. So Give Where You Live .net. Um, you go on there. You find Buffalo County Community Partners, and then they can give you. Where does that money go? Does that go to help identify and solve these issues? You are so good at these questions. You almost answer them before you ask them. They're don't rhetorical. You? <laughs> <laughs> no, <they're not. laughs> oh, no, but seriously, how do you, you know, you get a huge problem like that and you go, okay, I'm going to give my dollars. There's so many places I can give my dollars on giverylive.net. Uh, um, who, who do I pick? How does this work? If I'm supporting your organization, what am I supporting? What can I grasp my head around? You're supporting um, giving that donation locally. So you're talking about, or you're giving the donation to kids who are coming together around conversations about what mental health means to them and what they'd like to see um, in their hands to be able to help their peer or their other friend who might be suffering with from mental health uh, challenges or depression. So you're giving these dollars to help youth identify those issues to even help each other 
or to help us find more childcare spots for our community, as well as just helping to support those issues that are identified by community members. So I'm giving towards finding solutions to those problems. You said that really well. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but that that's, so is that what I'm doing though? Am yes. I, am I yes. saying, I see this problem, I want to help it. You are the problem solver who's going to incubate these things and see what works and yeah. provide measurable results on whether it works or not, right? And you're investing in an organization who takes the time to really understand the issue. So you're investing in community planning. Mm. I'm investing that's in the good. community. Yes. That's really good. I think you've done this before. It is good. <laughs> oh, All right. Thank well, you. can you stick around? Because we're yeah, going sure. to talk to somebody I'd else, but to. we're going to take a break here real quick. I'm going to find some water. Sean Cassidy? Yeah, Sean Cassidy moment. He was the, he is an executive producer and writer for NBC's medical drama, New Amsterdam. He's still relevant, guys. <laughs> oh, wow. Still relevant. <laughs> I have never heard of New Amsterdam. <laughs> what is that? It's on now. Well, I think it still is. It's, I mean, with the writing and then it's on in a gym strike, somewhere. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. Is it on a streaming service? Probably. Yeah. I All think right. Sean's still working to become known. I think yeah. it's a hospital drama. It is. So he yes. found his niche and he just ran with it. Medical drama. Uh, yes. Medical drama. <laughs> we have a medical drama we're going to do. Who do we need? <laughs> Sean, Sean Cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Well, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Listen to beautiful Henry Mancini. I love turning your mic on mid-sentence. <laughs> I should have just done that 20 minutes ago. All right, we're back. Beautiful Henry Mancini. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about something else. Okay. Are Go we, ahead, Are Brett. we going now? Oh. Yeah. Let's see if I can figure out your word. Is it now? <laughs> did we have... No, we have no. Another, oh, I'm like, did it? Did I get it? I didn't get it yet. No. You, oh, oh, you, don't know you what want the, me to you what your word is? No, don't tell me what my word is. Oh. We'll wait. Wait for later. <laughs> I'm 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 preemptively guessing. Oh, okay. You already gave her a word, right? No, she hasn't given it to me yet. So you're texting somebody else. She's giving me the word now. Oh, you don't have the word yet. No. You're allowed to talk here. I gave the word. The word <laughs> is gave out. Me the word. The word is out. All right. Let's keep learning. What do we got? Well, right now we have another person in the room. Who's, Ooh, yay! Yeah. We've gotten to hear a little bit from her, but Jazz McGinnis, I call you Jazz. Can I call you Jazz? My friends do. <laughs> we signal. We are so lucky to have you here, too, to be our small business, but not so small in Kearney, Nebraska. Yeah. Um, we like to feature a nonprofit and a small business at the same time to tell you how great Kearney is. So here you are. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Do, do, we want, do you want me to... Like talk about the game, or did we already do that? 
I she's going to text. Th- okay. Did she already do it? Yeah, she texted it to me. Okay. Okay. So I'm it, ready. Is it game? <laughs> I'm not, not going to keep guessing. Your okay. last name is McGinnis? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and she serves coffee. Yeah. But beer. I guess there's beer too. Oh, yeah. Like nobody knows. The beer expired. Oh. Three years with the liquor license. The beer expired. Hey, people. <laughs> Bristus has <Dang>. alcohol. <laughs> the champagne fights have done well. They've though. done. They've good. done surprisingly well. Okay, I'm sorry for jumping in the middle, but I'm wondering, are you being facetious or is there actually alcohol there? No, there, there's actually, actually alcohol. Yes, no, having a small business is incredibly difficult. And oh, I have you, tried everything in the world I can. And three years ago, I thought I'm going to get a liquor license because we need more seats in these butts of the <laughs> coffee shop in the afternoon. Strike that, reverse it. But yeah, go <laughs> you ahead. Know, I do that a lot. <laughs> So, you know, um, I thought, well, maybe people don't want coffee at three o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe it's like, I I don't care how early it is. I want a beer and I'm not going to feel bad about it. So we uh, got a liquor license three years ago. And uh, when you ask me how it's going, the beer expired. (laughs) (laughs) Do you still have a liquor license? I I do. I do. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're kind of on the fence about whether we're going to keep it right now because, as I mentioned, I usually say it does take about three years for people to catch on to you doing something new. So you do have to be kind of patient. Um, we'll kind of see what the next three months look like. And if we don't see, you know, a, a positive a increase in that, then it's probably not worth the cost of the insurance and the liquor licenses and but things this that we're is, doing right now. This is just a small piece of oh, all yeah. the changes that you guys have had since your time and yeah. Lisa, so we don't not everybody knows i'm like i i have the pleasure of knowing jazz for a long time but not everybody knows your fabulous history so Thanks. tell us how you got here with this seat and your butt in the seat <laughs> my butt in the seat yeah uh, sometimes i don't know the answer to that question <laughs> um well you know it was really nice hearing that you were like born and raised in carney i actually moved to carney um as a freshman in high school so i didn't live here my whole life and I think it's kind of important to note that because I lived all over Nebraska and have a lot of experience with a lot of different communities. Like Western or Eastern? Um, I was born in Norfolk and then- Fork, Norfolk. Norfolk, yeah. 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 And then <laughs> I spent like 10 years growing up in Grand Island. My parents did Island. this thing that I call <laughs> wandering through the wilderness where we lived out by like West Point and oh. a little town called Euling that nobody's heard of in uh, Genoa, Nebraska. Oh, I've seen those on a sign. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, right. So I call that the wandering through the wilderness. Um, and it's Northeast Nebraska though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, gosh, nobody really enjoys middle school, I don't think. And I hate to take it back to that, but I was trolled and bullied pretty bad. So coming to Kearney was terrifying. As a freshman, I went from a class of 34 kids that I felt all hated me because I hadn't been born and raised in that little town. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was terrified to move here. And instead of um, it being a traumatizing experience, like moving to Kearney was like the best thing that ever happened to me. I just, I absolutely adored this community and the people. And um, I kind of fit into all the cliques, you know, like they're like, it wasn't, it wasn't hostile. It wasn't aggressive. It was just such a nice community. And so I ended up staying and going to college here, ironically, on a music scholarship. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's funny is that I always knew that I wanted to work in a coffee shop. Like I've known this since I was 13 years old. And as a 13 year old, I would sit lonely in my bedroom, drawing my coffee logo and flipping through 
uh, Fresh Cut Magazine, which was like the industry wait, magazine wait, wait, of the wait, time. Wait. Fresh I know, Cut Magazine? Right? Yes. So and it was at our public library, and I would check it out and look at, at the At Carney's Public Library. No, this is when, like my middle school Genoa. years. Like, oh, okay. Genoa. So, so you're in Genoa, and you're at the Genoa public library. Genoa was hip with the Fresh Cut Magazine. <laughs> no, I couldn't believe it. It was Calling so pretty. It, out. it was so pretty. They had a budget, and it's use it or lose it. Um, <laughs> So they they subscribe to that magazine. So you're you're 13. Yeah, I'm 13. How are you into coffee at 13? Because when I was a little kid, um, my parents would ship me off to their friends in Omaha for the summer for like two weeks, and I always wanted to be an adult. I was like one of those little kids that always wanted to be a grown up. And mm-hmm. so my mom's best friend would take me to this coffee shop in downtown Omaha in the 80s. It was called Chef Bob's, and they had an espresso machine. And I just thought that the lingo was cool. I'm seven years old. Back to the Bengals, singing Eternal Flame <laughs> and ordering a B-52 16-ounce latte yes. and a bagel and thinking mm-hmm. I'm the coolest thing in the world. Well, what? you were. I mean, yeah. in, in even today's standards, like, that's cool. That was before Starbucks was a big thing. That was before. Yeah, way before. Anything. Any, coffee was coffee was kind of a trash, not a trash drink, but it was utilitarian. Yeah. It was, it was, I needed to stay awake. It and, wasn't absolutely. an experience. Right. Nope, now, it was the second wave of coffee. So mm-hmm. utilitarian is the perfect way to describe it. But that espresso machine was pretty. The lingo was fun. And um, I just, I just liked how you could go into a place like that. And, you know, I'm seven years old. The yeah. barista never made me feel stupid. You know, they didn't think it was weird that a kid was ordering. A Is that important? Yeah, it's super important. Yeah. So you seen. you found you found a fit with coffee. In- well, I just knew I always wanted to be a barista. I just always wanted to work in a coffee shop. And then when I was in high school, you know, we had a few coffee shops in Kearney, but they kind of didn't last long. So when I was in high school, there was uh, Coffee Central. And it was across the street um, from Fine Arts, which is now where Bill's Liquor is. Okay. And the OK Sisters would play there. Yes. And there'd be beatnik poetry, and you could get really good cheesecake. Yep. And there okay. was an espresso machine. That later turned into Black Sheep Coffee. Yes, Black that Sheep. Went I was just going to say that's Black Sheep. Yeah, it was downtown. It was. Okay. Yeah. Remember Black Sheep. And, you know, so there were there were a few things. I, I think I probably walked into Black Sheep a couple of times and asked if I could get a job. And they were I, I didn't have the right look. I didn't. I don't know. I couldn't get a job there. <laughs> so, so fast forward. To, fast I'm trying to think what the look was in, in Black Sheep. I don't know because I didn't. Maybe have they it. just weren't hiring. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to give them the benefit of the know. doubt. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah. And they're like, I don't like. This isn't going to work. That's what you think. Oh, really? <laughs> I was pretty awkward looking. Well, I don't know. But you've, I mean, the coffee scene has grown to that point. The coffee scene has grown exponentially in yeah. Kearney since that time. Right. And you've been a big part of that. So, Thanks. well, I remember you. We were just talking about this before we got on, like jazz serving me wine. I was of age in the old baristas when it was downtown yeah. and, and it was coffee and wine and it was an experience. And yeah. I think that's the first time for me that coffee was really that. Yeah. And it was something that we would go to on our Sundays as a treat. Yes. And I that developed there. Mm-hmm. So tell us about from then on, like you were serving there. So, you obviously yeah, got a job yeah, there. I, I you had the job. right look there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just was persistent. I wouldn't let them not hire me. So um, yeah, I got to start working for the original owners of Barista's Daily Grind within the first six months of them opening. And it used to just be the little shop on the hill. 
Um, absolutely loved it. Best job ever. And you know what they did in the coffee industry was really revolutionary. I don't think a lot of people in Kearney understand quite how big the reputation of Barista's mm-hmm. Daily Grind is. Um, we started competing in something called the barista competition that is still being held to this day, um, not only in this country, but in countries all across the world. And uh, we hold a second, third, fourth, and fifth place in the entire nation. Wow. Uh, barista uh, award championship title. Um, that's a really big deal. Uh, this year, there is a barista in Omaha, Isaiah Sheesh, out of Archetype, who has taken that title, um, the number one barista. So Nebraska really has a unique, um, rich coffee culture we have going on. So getting to be a part of that experience, it was life-changing getting to work for people who invested in young people and gave us opportunities. You mentioned the wine. I actually was the wine specialist. I know. For Daily Grind. I remember then. that. <laughs> I remember this, but I'm like, what does Jazz say that we should drink? Right. I mean, and you're like 22 years old yeah. and someone's like, here's my credit card, go yeah. build me a wine program. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, but I loved that. It was, and we really created that, you know, people talk about the third space. Um, It's kind of come and kind of gone where we don't uh, live in our homes necessarily. Mm -hmm. We don't always Mm. live in our workplaces, but the third places are the places where we thrive, where we are seen, where we, um, you know, they can be parks, they can be museums, but for coffee shops, especially during the early 2000s, -hmm. like the culture did just explode. And so we were pre-Starbucks and we are still trying to be relevant in a very corporate coffee dominated world. So back when I worked for baristas and we had three locations in Kearney, there were only five coffee shops. And now 20, 23 years later, um, we have 35,000 people in this town and there are 17 coffee shops in wow. this town. It's absolutely insane how many coffee mm-hmm. shops are in this town. So what makes you special and relevant still? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, think, I know. I, I think um, so we we call it the secret sauce and the secret sauce isn't that secret. Um, we're really transparent about it. And it's how we make you feel when you come into our businesses. So we're really obsessed with what we call pure customer love. And it's not just dedication to our own craft, which we're putting into the product that we're creating for you. But it's really in making sure that people in this community are not invisible and that they're seen and that there's a price point for every budget. I am adamant about the fact that if you cannot afford something in my coffee shop I don't care you can come in and we'll serve you a glass of water and you can have company and you're probably going to get free samples of cocoa anyway Um, you know just it's a place where everybody needs to be able to feel safe and seen and um, I think that my staff does a really good job of doing that and then taking some of the principles that they learn at baristas and incorporating that into the careers and the, the things that they choose to do outside of working for us so it really does impact the whole community. I have like five questions from what you just said, but the most important one of all of those, is it baristas or baristas? You can say either. <laughs> so you can say either. In Italian, I don't remember if you did Italian diction. Yes. In Italy, it's baristas. Yes. Okay. And so people so say that. So it would drive me crazy yes. when my colleagues would say baristas. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's an E. <laughs> but I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. In America, it's barista. And, it, you know, back when it was named that, nobody knew what that name meant. They didn't realize that we were essentially calling, um, like, a bar bartenders. Um, and just to clarify, we are Barista's Daily Grind. So our actual full name is Barista's oh. Daily Grind. We are the only Barista's Daily Grind. 
Um, so lots of other people now have that yes. name, but they've dropped the daily grind part, and that's why they're not affiliated with me or a part of me Got or it. a part of what we're doing, and it gets a little confusing. That's good to know. So when you were talking about fostering, you call it cu- the customer love. Yeah, pure which, customer love. Yes, which I love, is that you've figured out how to do this in ways that fit your customers too. So talk about how you've done that in our community because every location that you have, I feel like it serves someone in a different way. Yeah, that's kind of why we've grown the way that we've grown. First of all, um, I I do co-own baristas of my brother-in-law, Edgar. So if you hear me mention him, that's what I'm saying. Edgar and I feel really passionate about um, investing in our employees. I know a lot of people say that. It's kind of a catchphrase, but they're really ambassadors for our brand and what we do. And with 35 of them, we can't have eyes on them at all the time. So we need to trust them. We need to build our passion and our goals and our ideals into them so that when they're out representing us, you know, Mm -hmm. it feels the same at all three stores. But our campus location is just sort of where we ended up, um, you know, 16, 17 years ago. And I think that it does provide a really interesting uh, niche for the community. It's across the street from the university. A lot of people think that that should automatically make it a very uh, popular location, which is actually not true. There are five coffee shops on Mm -hmm. campus. Um, and it's much more easy to stay in your dorm or stay in your college and not walk across the street. Um, but having an off-campus you know, location, I think, is just kind of a mental reset. Like I said, that third mm-hmm. place, that way to just kind of disengage, get away, um, break up, break up the monotony of whatever you're going through. And it's a really nice community space where you can spread out. But that location presented a lot of problems for us. Mainly, um, we have a terrible residential drive-through that was like extreme coffee driving when you went down it. Um, (laughs) I've I've experienced that. Yes, Yes. like me calling the city graders, like, could you please come grade the alley again? (laughs) Um, And so when Edgar and I purchased baristas, you know, all of this corporate coffee had moved in and we knew we were going to get squeezed out if we didn't grow. And so we had to open a second location. Um, Ironically, we really wanted to go north and we couldn't make that happen. Uh, We just couldn't financially afford it. Um, I talk about this a lot, but Edgar and I, um, we don't, we don't, we don't have a lot of money. We don't come from wealth. We don't have an extensive family, like financially supporting Mm -hmm. or backing us in any of that, that manner. It's just him and I. Um, And our growth is really down to the relationships, like Denise said, that we've built within the community and um, with people here in this town. And so we ended up going south. We ended up uh, taking over a lease and signing a four-year lease with a five-year buyout, which we were actually able to take advantage of um, on 2nd Avenue. And, you know, I said this before when we were talking, it takes two or three years to kind of get a business off the ground. We opened that location primarily for fast drive-through to meet the demands of people, you know, espresso Mm -hmm. to go. Uh, It was never meant to have people sit inside. So when people complain that there's no place to sit inside, that's what the campus location is for. And then um, even when we opened the South location, I will never forget my Facebook page just blowing up with, we wanted you North, we wanted you North, (laughs) we wanted you North. And there's nothing harder than like being a business owner and doing everything you can to grow and being told that like, it's still not enough or, well, we want more. And it's like, well, it's not your money that's going into this growth. So if you want more, support us, and then we'll see what we can do. (laughs) So, And have you seen it down south, though? I feel like, and I I think of COVID, back to COVID, and I, my time was going to coffee shops, driving through for coffee. And I think it's changed. 
I, maybe it hasn't, but I feel like it has changed the industry, especially in our town. Like it is still, and I never left, I never let that drop off of my list. Like coffee now right. is my treat. Right. And it started in COVID. It was right. never like that before. COVID was huge for us. Um, I was terrified and it turned out to be like the best year ever. And I think it's because of what you just said. Coffee became something that elevated your day-to-day tasks and made them an experience. So we couldn't go out and associate, but we could, you know, take a walk. And somehow a a walk with a cup of coffee was now Mm -hmm. a date. It was an adventure. Um, It was a touch with your normal routine in a not normal world. And so I was very fortunate that we had the drive-throughs. I was very fortunate that we had dedicated staff that was willing to put themselves at risk by coming, you know, into a public space like that and serving that much of the community. Like we couldn't have done it without them. Um, and I don't know how some of the other businesses that, like didn't have a drive-through were able to operate. And I know that they weren't able to because our campus store really suffered and it honestly has never gotten back what it needed yeah. to get back from COVID. So uh, our South store became our predominant like main store. And I think that's why so many people think it's the only barista's location and why they're dissatisfied that there's no place to sit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to that I say, uh, I'm sorry, we have three other options. And so our third location, we've wanted a North Shop for a long, long, long time. But um, to be completely transparent, we opened the North Shop believing we would have to close the campus location. And Edgar and I were not in a position to go back to one store. The demand for baristas would have just been too much. And like I mentioned before, there's so much corporate coffee, we would have just gotten squeezed out. And mm-hmm. we're two owners trying to draw somewhat of a salary. I don't think people realize how little money we make or how hard we work for that little money. But the North location was really a pivot of, okay, I can see 18 cars in line at Starbucks all day long. And I can't say that you're not choosing me because I'm not in the right part of town. Let's get in the right part of town and see if we can, we can grow. Yeah. So what's next for baristas or baristas, um, when I when I want to lay in in bed and herkle durkle, and I don't want to get out, but I've got to have something to yeah. get me there. Yeah. What's the next thing to get me there? So right now we're kind of going back to our grassroots, which is when you open a third store, you you gain a lot more staff, and unfortunately we lost a lot of our vets. That just was time and circumstance, like. Not I still anything miss hostile. some of them. I know. I know. They I know. just all went at the tragical. same time. They all went at the same time. They all got these incredible opportunities. And like, I get that and I want that for them. But we're sort of having to start all over again. That's kind of what it feels like. Um, and so Edgar and I, over half of our staff has been with us less than three months. Over wow. half of our staff. And so we are having to build those relationships and inspire Um, this new team and make our values their values. And that's not something that can be rushed. Them learning the job is not something that can be rushed. And so we're finding that niche for the three stores. When people come to work for us, sometimes they say, well, I live next to your North store. I want to work at your North store. And I'm like, that's not how this works. Um, And a lot goes into that, but it's because we don't want you to pick and choose a store based upon like, this is where your favorite barista is, or they make the drinks better. Like, All three stores have all of the same faces Mm. in it and the same menu, but they do serve different functions. So we are focusing in our campus store now that we're we're not closing it. We're focusing more on uh, getting the word out that that is a great location to rent out for private parties. Um, Graduation season's huge for us. We're usually booked two or three years in advance for that because the space is so Mm -hmm. popular. Um, The liquor license does 
come into play with some of those kinds of planning things. It's sort of a specialty store. I kind of call it a slow bar. So oh. it is a little bit slower of a shop. You can go um, get like wine flights or coffee flights or, you know, things that take a little bit more time. We do a thing um, like British high tea there. You can you can do yes, tea parties. So yeah, it's super fun. But there are things that take a little bit more time and attention to detail. And so that's how that store is kind of developing. We're also working a lot closer with the university and a couple other organizations um, to teach classes, to do a little bit more mentoring. We have some internship programs that we're doing uh, with UNK, and that's helping us uh, build and foster some more relationships, not only within our staff, but within the community for that location. So what I'm hearing, <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be officially Jasmine. Uh, Cause I, I don't feel like we're on a jazz basis yet. Um, <laughs> you love coffee. Yeah. And you've always loved coffee since you were first exposed to that place in Omaha. Yeah. And what you loved about it, this is me guessing was connecting with people. Yep. And you loved that it brought people together and they were able to connect. And when you're able to connect with those people, that's the part you instill in the business because anybody can sling anybody some coffee. You'd think so. I mean, yeah. anybody, but not everybody can have a connection with the people that they're serving the coffee to. Right. You don't. You didn't go to Cheers for the beer. Right. They went to Cheers for the experience of having that, like you said, third place. Everybody knows your name. Everybody knows your name. You come in there, you have a place to sit for a while and get away from maybe some other problems that are in your life. Mm-hmm. And it just struck me while you were going through things, you have, you know, you mentioned COVID. So there's some mental health probls that, uh, you know, that is, that was a mental health situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, we were, we're seeing, still in. I mean, we're let's yeah. be real. totally still uh, getting past that. Mm-hmm. You were seeing horrible numbers on food, every, or on the TV every day where, you know, literal people were dying and you were trying to recover and get back to what a new normal is uh, after that. And I think that's stressful and that's traumatic for everybody that's been through it. But coffee has helped that uh, in a certain sense because it gave you a little bit of normalcy, a little bit of joy, a little bit of something just for you. And now you're running into maybe some workforce problems because there aren't a lot of employees who have that love and that love of connection with people because, um, you know, there's there's too many jobs and not enough people to do the job sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you're running into those problems too. And I'm, I'm seeing those as issues that are, I can't help but notice there's some kind of overlap between yeah. what. Um, Denise is talking about and what she's trying to solve and what's directly affecting your business and your workforce. Absolutely. And I think that you hit it on the head when you say that COVID, like everyone loves to say things are different from COVID, but I don't think that they understand, you know, that there's a macro level and a micro level of of what we're going through. And there are things in society that needed to change. We need to acknowledge and recognize um, people's mental health. Uh, We need to temper expectations. We need to provide tools. Um, There's a lot of things that are more important than, and I've always believed this, than a capitalistic paycheck, Mm -hmm. which is why Edgar and I do what we do for such little money. But it's a whole new world, and I feel like there's a lot of voices, and there's a lot of advice, and there's a lot of information, and not all of it is relevant to what we are going through. And what do I mean specifically? Um, If you TikTok or Instagram or anything, there's a lot of corporate backlash about toxic workplaces. And I totally will acknowledge that those need to change and that's different. There's a lot of young people that are being fed that information that don't understand the difference between a corporate world and the private sector, specifically a mom and pop business who is saying, I see you, I recognize you, I'm here for you, what can we do? And you're still not being given the opportunity or the chance to show 
that you mean what you say. Right. Um, there's a level of uncomfortableness that people are not willing to go through anymore. Mm-hmm. And so for the first time in Barista's history, we're having people that are quitting on the first day. We're having people that are quitting one month in. And this is after painfully going through, you know, job interviews to screen out people who might not fit for mm-hmm. our business in that way and telling them it's going to take six months for you to learn this job. That's a long time to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And yeah. and kind of embracing the first time you do something, it's going to be horrible. Right. Uh, the first time, you know, I did this podcast, it wasn't that good. All right. And the first time you do anything, the first time I tried a case, the first time I um, got up to, to, to speak in front of somebody, it wasn't easy. It wasn't natural. Right. right. And, and you have to do it in order to get good at it. Right. And I don't know whether that's lost on some people now, uh, whether they're uh, the expectation of, you know, you grabbing the mic and being being able to sing like Michael Bublé. I mean, that that doesn't happen, right? Did I say his name wrong? No, you're good. (laughs) All right. It wasn't Sean Cassidy. It was Sean Cassidy. Okay, grabbing the mic and singing like Sean Cassidy. It doesn't just happen. So there's something, there's work and effort involved in that. So who would be your ideal person to come and work for you? Is it a younger you who loves baristas? baristas and and who loves coffee and and is sitting there reading magazines in small county uh, libraries no no because i always say that um i don't believe we can grow if we surround ourselves with people who look think and act like us Mm. so i'm not looking to clone myself and my staff in fact i'm hoping to grow from things that they bring to my attention maybe that i don't no, or I haven't thought about. We constantly tell them, just because you're new doesn't mean you don't have something to contribute. Mm-hmm. We may have been doing something for so long, such a certain way, and there's a better way to do it. So please tell us. Are you going to hear that in a corporate job? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no that's not. my point. That's my point. You're absolutely not. And hey, help us be better. Uh, no, be quiet and right. do what the manual tells you to do. Right. And we just firmly believe that like we're still growing. We're still learning how to be managers. We're still learning how to... I mean, I just don't believe that you get a cap on, I'm done, I'm cooked, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm baked, I'm done. Like, that doesn't work. And so, um, yeah, I want, I don't want people that look like me. But what I do want is I want someone who kind of wants to play on the team. And I, mm. I, I'm not a sports person, but I really loved Ted Lasso and I wanted to Same. be a coach like that. <laughs> and I wanted to like have the coffee be the thing yes. that brought us together that we all played so that we could go out into our life and do things better. And back to your thing, none of us went into kindergarten and knew how to read. There was a right. level of uncomfortableness. There's a level of growth. Many of us, you and I are in theater. I'm actually an introvert. Nobody believes this about me and I'm quite shy. But I love being on a stage. I am terrified, petrified, voice cracking, like knees shaking the first 10 minutes. And once that goes away, I turn into a different person. If I ran from that feeling, I would never know what it was like to get some of those opportunities, to be in some of those places, to sit in some of those chairs. And I'm worried that that's what the future is missing out on because they're scared. We can validate fear. We can validate, you know, anxiety. is Is it scared? Or is it, um, I don't know whether it's, it's fear. It's some kind of embarrassment and mm-hmm. shame. Shame. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a word that, that I would bring upon my household if I was yeah. not perfect that doing this successful. thing. But and that's yeah. an unreasonable standard. Perfection is Mr. Never Rogers wouldn't stand no. for that. No. He would say, no. you go draw whatever you want to draw. Right. You know what? This is somewhat unrelated, <laughs> but I was just listening to another podcast about because I have two boys and they, my, my oldest who's eight is terrified to do something that would make him stand out. Right. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? I'm a theater person. Like, <laughs> right. what? This is not right. in our family. You can't, you can't be like this. 
and I and I told him when I'm like, buddy, I just don't I just don't know how to like grasp this. This is very hard for me to understand. Tell me how you feel. And finding out, listening to up this podcast, that many boys we are are feeling this same way. And I'm sure girls too, but this was specific to boys, and so much so that they're not getting their driver's licenses because yeah. they're too afraid. Yeah, they're not getting their first job because it's this whole. It's like it's. It's this very big, maybe you've heard about the research, but it's crazy research, the numbers of people not doing this because of this fear of failure. And it's maybe not fear, like you said, it's, it's kind of more than that, but it's fascinating. And it's a lot of it is parenting and not telling us you got to keep it's okay, but you got to keep going. We got to do yeah, hard Is there a way we can blame our parents for this? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually blaming myself because I'm thinking it might be me. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, out. we, but. Well, and I'm hearing you talk too and just thinking about what our Buffalo County Youth Advisory Board members are saying. And they're saying we have lost the connection to caring adults. And you sit in that for a minute and you say, what has happened to us as a society that youth do not see adults truly care about them? So outside of their own parents, oh. they cannot name most children cannot name another caring adult in their lives. So is that just an well, assumption said, of adults? No, that, notice that, what I said about my experience. What was what was hugely informative was my mom sending me to her best friend's yeah. place yeah. over the summer. And I agree it's with that. modeling that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, yes. And it's systematic because when your kids grow up in daycare and they're not with their parents, the only other adult is a caretaker and you're shoved into a room with a million other kids your age, that's the biggest handicap I see is that so many young people don't understand that they can have friends and mentors mm-hmm. that are not, not their, their age. age. But they, they have can learn because the mom has to work three jobs they in order to. to. Right. We're that's in this it's like, systemic. it's all coming back. If only there were an organization that tried to you know, address yeah. those issues and, and just solve only there them. was a coffee shop that, that was could... encouraging them to gather at oh, and make connections. Oh, oh <laughs> my god! A gosh. couple of groups that could get together and have a conversation okay, and so, coffee. I think we just changed some things. Well, today, no, guys. I mean the the chess people need to get to baristas. That that's just it. They they need to go there because that's where chess yeah. uh, some or some kind of game like that. You do realize you, I have you, a chess board in each of my. Shops. I know you do, but I'm just saying that like, they're, they're, it's very big right now. It's it. Oh, it's wonderful. You need to learn. You can do it even with bad knees and you, you go ahead and you have to be able to, to move things and you can play chess against, you know, an eight year old can play a 60 year old yep. and there's no problem with it at all. And they can form a connection over yep. that chess board and over things which can lead to broader connections. And yep. I'm not just saying chess. I'm saying some kind of interaction in a community from people who aren't your folks right. and, and we get away from that and that's wrong. So uh, l- go ahead. No. Okay. I just want to bring it back to... Carney, uh, you guys love Carney, I assume. Yeah, that's why we're here. Okay, we're and here. maybe I already asked that, but has Carney been supportive of your endeavors? Absolutely. I mean, we wouldn't be here if Carney hadn't supported us. And and I I heard that earlier from you. I think that you felt a connection to Carney when you moved here. Yeah, it's Carney's a very unique um, city and town. First of all, kudos to city planning. This. This city is laid out beautifully. And what I mean is I travel all over the country, all over the world. I lived in Lincoln for a few years. And when you go into a community, like the way that Kearney is laid out, residential, business districts, like we don't really have a bad part of town, honestly, to tell you the honest to God truth. And we don't have a dodgy part. Like there may be some industrial, but it's not like all intermixed. It's very beautifully designed and laid out. We have the university, we have the community college, we have two hospitals. There is a lot of um, 
people from other cultures, international students. We have massive corporate businesses here, and I'm not just talking about the buckle, mm -hmm. but Carney is a unique microcosm of money, intellect, talent, and very world traveled. I, I, there's a lot of people here. Yeah. I think that's the key to living in Nebraska also is that if you get out and you see the rest of the world, um, a lot of things are at play here. And I do not see that in other communities around the country or even in the state. Um, they're very polar, uh, polarizing um, or insular. There's one group that kind of supports one group and maybe there's another group, but I see a lot of cross connection here. And I don't think baristas yeah. could have survived all of the ownership changes and all the different things that happened if this town didn't fully embrace like the ideals of what we're behind because that's what's never changed. Yeah. Let's never change it, okay? Because if you love something, you want it to, to, to stay that way to a certain extent. You want it to grow. You want it to be, you know, continue to be what's best. But those are the kinds of things we can't change. You know, no. I want a 14 year old kid who, who moves to this community to feel loved and accepted. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we need to do. And we need to be able to do that through things like you said, YAB. Buffalo County Youth, youth. Advisory Board. Youth advice. So it's a board for youths. Yes. Youths. So youths could, youths. could join. Yeah. Could join. They could be part of that. Okay. Actually, anybody could join. It sounded like you had to have a membership, but you don't. You, you don't? just need to call and say, I'm a youth, and I would like, to, like to, to be with other youth. And that would I'd be... I'd like to make a change. So I'd you, like to change my community. So they would, like, do they call you? Do we say, hey, Denise, beep, ba, boop? And yeah, you get could. You, you just call our office. Or, yeah. Call your office. I was going to give out my cell phone number, but we won't do that today. No, so don't do that. So, go get on, on Give Where You Live Day. Yes. Go get a coffee at Barista's. Or if there's there's probably some giving locations that are serving your coffee. Get yeah. some coffee Several. and go check out the giving locations. You guys Our are downtown. Giving location is at Central Mercantile. Yes. Yeah. So you can go down there. And say then hello. Uh, play chess with an elderly man because <laughs> someday I'm going to be that elderly man and <laughs> I'm going to want to play chess with somebody and uh, I don't know. What's your word? <gasps> Let's uh, start the outro okay. music and then I'll tell you. Well, no, no, I have to guess I your word. I have to guess your word, oh, yeah. I, I know your word. Amalgamate? <laughs> or red herring? Or fungible? No? Uh, not at all. God, what was it? Uh, let me do your word first, okay, and I'll tell you mine. you know mine. Herkle Durkle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... Did, was that on air when we said what Herkle Durkle was? No, I don't think it was. Let's tell everybody what Herkle Durkle Jazz. means. Jazz. Oh, it's my favorite thing in the world. It's to lay in bed long past the time one should have gotten up. I Herkle Durkle a lot. <laughs> Herkle Durkle. My word was Grinch. Oh, you did say that a couple times. And that, it did. You, you did a good job he of sliding that job, in there. He? He yeah, just slid that right in. That's Man. the that's the name that's of the game. Saying. You say all yeah. these big words, and like, how am I supposed to pick out Grinch out of that? <laughs> that was the whole point. God. I like to win games. I like to play chess. Yeah, I don't play chess, obviously. All right, thank you. This was another episode of Carney Pie. Uh, he he, do it production. Um, Thank you guys very much for being here. I appreciate your time. Uh, I appreciate learning about you and your community involvement and what uh, you try and do to help Carney be great. Go to givewhereyoulive.net if you haven't already done it. Go check the board. See where it's at. Yeah. Are we past the million? I don't know. Where are we I at? Looked. You know, it doesn't matter as long as somebody gets supported. So go support your favorite organization. We're a little step further tomorrow than we were today. Yeah. Because Carney yeah. is a wonderful community. They give. They do. They do. They where do. they live. Where they live. At least once a year. Dot net. Dot net. <laughs> All right, Sean Cassidy, we out? <laughs>
we're out. Go watch an episode of New Amsterdam, apparently. <laughs> Sean Cassidy, New Amsterdam, Good Hospital. Uh, yep. Oh, All the right. Do Ron Ron. Did we talk about the Do Ron Ron? Oh, the Do Ron Ron. That's his song. That's Do Ron Ron. Do Ron Ron away. And we will do that. Have a great time, everybody. We'll see you Thanks next time. Coming. We'll be back uh, probably next year. Yeah. Since time exists now. It does. Okay. We'll see, see you then. next year. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.